Hello, everyone, and welcome to the King Gamer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Callahan, and we got a spooky episode for you guys today. And I'm so happy because we get to introduce a brand new panelist to our episode. Please welcome Alex Munster. And I just butchered your last name. My bad, Alex. Monster? Moster? Mosier. Mosier. Um, so yeah, Alex Mosier, and I'm a new writer for Keen, and glad to be here and looking forward to talking about horror movies, one of my biggest passions. I am so excited to talk all things horror. Wish Jessica Orr was on the podcast, but oh well. Got the bros here, and as Alex mentioned, we will be talking all things horror, specifically our favorite horror movie characters. And in touching with horror, we will be talking about the Silent Hill Transmission Showcase. But first, let's talk about the games we're playing right now. And for my game of the week, Alex, I don't know if you keep up the podcast at all, but I've been waiting and waiting for Gotham Knights. So how, how is it so far? Because I've been on the fence about it. Um, it is, if I, I'm not writing a review for King Gamer, but right now I'm sitting at a 6.8 to a 7.5. Okay. So, so good. Worth the try. Maybe wait for a sale. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like right now, like immediate gut reaction, like I would wait for a sale or if you have a gift card, use it with that. Like it, when it becomes like 40% off. I think that's when it's like, okay, it's pretty good. And there's a whole lot of thoughts I have. Um, and it's interesting because naturally you want to compare it to the Arkham franchise. Because, of course, WB Montreal did Arkham Origins. So they have had strong times to that. And it's similar but not to the Arkham games. I think... <sighs> I think it's kind of hold back on like what can you do? And what I mean by that is like with WB Montreal, they really want you to do the co-op. Okay. And I have not tested out the co-op just yet, but from what I'm hearing, it is actually pretty good. But I feel like if this was just a single player experience, I feel like maybe we would have had that 60 frames per second. Yeah, I can see online having to pull that back a little bit. Because you can do anything in the open world, and it is a big open world. And it's not like it's just your standard open world, nothing that unique. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's still nice. It's still Gotham City. You still get your landmarks like the Iceberg Lounge and Wayne Tower. But other than that, it's just good. And have you hunted down? Because to my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, there's one Riddler trophy hidden in this one. I have n not heard anything about that, but now I'm very curious. Yeah, I understand. I believe there's supposed to be one Riddler trophy in the whole game. So the collectibles in this one is uh, Batarains. Okay, makes sense. Thematic. So Bruce Wayne. Uh, so a cool thing about it is. You, uh, the century, like, uh, you're basically your headquarters. You can look on your, uh, bat computer and you have emails, and it can be from the bat family. Or I think the coolest part is 
the whole DC universe. So you can have an email from Clark, or if you're on a, uh, if you're using Batgirl, you can look on her email and see like the Birds of Prey. Okay. And so are there a any lot other... of cool Easter eggs from that, and so oh, they explain hard. like, I'm sorry. Sorry, I was just gonna ask if there were like story things hidden in there, or was it just Easter eggs? Um, I think it's more of character things, like with Red Hood. He, I don't know how far, like, when he emerged from the Lazarus Pit to when the game starts, but he, he's a very angry individual, as you know. And the emails, you get a little character bit, like he's trying to work out his anger and his emotional problems. Okay, interesting take. So interesting take, and, you know, it's more of a character thing, and I think it's more of, like, ooh, because... WB Montreal has been heavily rumored for a Superman game. And I would be more curious to see them take on a wider DC universe than to be stuck with Batman. Or I should say, like, being the shadow of Rocksteady and the Arkham franchise. That's a weird, So I think I might get a lot of hate for this one. Origins is my favorite Arkham game. So would you say that's I like of- it? It's a hot take, but I don't hate it. Um, so one other question I have one last question I have about it. I'm a sucker for teen melodramas with Bruce Wayne kind of being removed. Is there a bit of like the bat family that remains sort of coming into their own or do they already kind of know what they're doing and they're just picking up the mantle? No, they're trying to come into their own. And I think it's, um, what's cool about it is as far as I know, you can just play as one character throughout the whole game. It's not like, hey, this mission, you have to be Barbara, or this mission, you have to be Tim Drake. You can play the whole game as Nightwing, and there's, like, Alfred's in the game, and there's all these, like, different moments, like, optional, like, character interactions that you can have Mm -hmm. that really, you know, like, Red Hood is trying to work out uh, his own trauma, Tim Drake basically just started as Robin. So he's kind of like, uh, you know that one meme of Mr. Krabs and Spongebob? He's looking all confused and it's all blurry. Yes. That is Tim Drake in this game. Okay. It is scary how well that put it in perspective. Yeah, that's... Uh, I relate to people via memes. Makes sense. But um, for a second, I thought you were going to say melodrama. Like, is there hints of... a? Uh, Dick Grace and Barbara Gordon romance. And I'm like, oh, I wish because I shipped them. I wasn't going to say it because that would get my hopes up. I was just going to keep that one buried down. No, but if you're, I will say, if you do want to buy a full price, if you're a big fan of the Bat family, specifically mm-hmm. those four, it has been such a joy to just go around the city and fight as them. I will yeah. say, if you're going to play the game, unlock Knighthood as soon as you can. So what Knighthood is, uh, you have a whole series of challenges that you have to do. And it's a little confusing because the main requirement is to stop 10 pre-mediated uh, crimes. So it's not like you see a bunch of game members and you beat them up and that counts as one. You have to get info from them. 
until it adds up, and then you find out there's a bank robbery going on on the other side of Gotham. So that counts as one, and you have to do 10 of them. And the reason why you have to do Nighthood is for more travel options. So you can actually, like, glide or teleport. Okay, so yeah, definitely high barrier to entry, but definitely worth it in the long run. Yeah, and I feel like during the holidays, I feel like maybe this game will go 20 bucks off, so that'll be 50. That's still my... Mm, you know what? That's a good Christmas gift. Ask for it for Christmas. You don't have to buy it. Someone else will. Hands are clean. So it's a high contender for like one of the best Black Friday picks so far. If it goes down that far. Okay. I don't think it'll be like a Marvel's Avengers where it's immediately like half off. Wouldn't be surprised, but. But I'm not going to get into Marvel's Avengers because that's a whole thing in and of itself. Oh, trust me. We've been debating about that. Like, I was wondering the whole time, is Gotham Knights going to be Marvel's Avengers or Guardians of the Galaxy? Because I feel like both of them had like the same marketing, but mm-hmm. it's leaning towards Marvel Avengers. But I think Gotham Knights is better than that for so different it, reasons, but we don't have to get into that. It kind of found a middle ground between those two. Exactly. I will say the most annoying thing about it is you can't jump. Okay, odd choice. You can technically jump, but it's you can't randomly jump jump like when you're grappling and you reach the ledge you can jump or if you're near like a like a wall and there's a jump button prompt okay it seems you can dodge when it involves jumping but i don't know maybe because i love playing as nightwing Mm -hmm. very acrobatic and i want to jump yeah, it's it's 2022. Games should let you jump. That should just be a yeah. thing. And, you know, other games like God of War, or at least the 2018 one that I played, doesn't let you jump. It's kind of like the same thing as Arkham. Like, when you are prompted, you can jump. But yet again, I don't see Kratos as, like, a jumping guy. But the image of that is fantastic. Just oh, crazy. yeah. Just randomly, like, he's brooding, and he's like, boy, and he's just like, Jump, 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 jump. Yes. So, honestly, like for me, Gotham Knights is very conflicted feelings, but I am having a good time and I am excited to go back into uh, the game. I think one of the pleasant side effects you get is I want to read more about these guys in the comics. Okay. So, good corporate synergy there. Oh, yeah. DC's like, ah, that's. That's what we wanted. But yeah, that has been Gotham Knights for me. Speaking of controversial games, I, I think, maybe. I don't know how they fixed it. Alex, you've been playing Overwatch 2. Yeah, so um, I jumped in three or four days or so after launch because just never try an online game at launch. Um, no. DDSO attacks aside, that's not something they have control over. It never works well. Never played an online game at launch that worked for takes at least 24 hours. Um, but so far, I've been loving it. Um, gonna put Good. it out there. 
I am not good at first-person shooters. I am usually oh. on my team. Still have a great time with it. Alex, you're talking to the right person because first-person or any – let me just say this. If you need me in multiplayer, yeah, good luck because I'm terrible. Yeah, same, except for certain things. But um, terrible at it. I'm loving it. The free-to-play thing is definitely a plus. The no loot boxes is a plus. Granted, it's switched for a season pass, but it's more guaranteed progress. You can kind of see it. And the challenges have been enjoyable. They force you to play in different ways, but it's not, at least so far in my experience, it hasn't been heal so much damage with one character, which a lot of online games and challenges and mobile games will give you, um, that you have to have a specific character, specific build. Um, it added a, or at least because I didn't play Overwatch 1 for the last couple of years, I kind of took off. The challenges are more play as this type or queue as this type. So, yeah, nobody, most people don't want to play as support, but at least you're not pigeonholed into just playing as Mercy or just playing as you know, Mora. You get to pick whichever support you get or you want if you're trying to attack that challenge. And they tend to be pretty quick. It's play three rounds or two rounds. So you can kind of pop in, spend an hour, knock out all of your challenges, and then go into mayhem mode and fight for 30 minutes because no one can die in the contested. <laughs> So do you think the backlash of the opening weekend of Overwatch 2, I'm not saying has died down from like a community standpoint, but in terms of like the problems they faced? So it definitely seems like the, the problems have slowed down a bit. Um, I have not had any problem getting into games, like I said, after that day three or four post-launch point. Um, and there's kind of like the tears to it. So overall, people who are just you know casual gamers, it's free to play. Download it. You don't need to do the season pass. They also didn't lock um, the old characters behind that season pass. You don't have them all to start with, but you unlock them strictly by playing games. It's play one game, get Genji. Play five games, get this character. Play ten. So just playing the game, you're going to unlock everybody. Mm -hmm. Then you kind of have that like Overwatch fan base that in my experience, I'm in a couple, you know, Reddit groups and Facebook groups, I look for matches, seem to be enjoying it for the most part. But then like any game, you have that core, that, you know, quote unquote, hardcore fan base, who you're only a fan if you don't like it. So <laughs> they're never going to be happy with it. But it seems like the two first rings of this, or the two layers of this pyramid seem to be okay with it now. And the thing is, like, it is free to play. So, no harm. I mean, if you download it, you don't like it, I'm sure you can file and get your money back. Not a problem. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Anything else about Overwatch 2 that you want to mention? Um, no, I'm just excited to see who some of the other like new characters that they release are. Because that's one thing, Overwatch being kind of the definitive hero shooter. Mm -hmm. It is fun how different every character is. It's kind of fun that lead up, watching the short YouTube video, learning their history, their connection to everybody else. There's kind of a whole, it's, it's almost like Souls games in the way that there is a story, but you have to seek it out. Yeah, it's more of like hidden in the background. Yeah. Okay, that's, I was about to say not bad. I'm like, no, but I like it. Yeah, so I... you don't have to get burdened down with the story if you don't care, but 
I enjoy taking that, oh, they just announced a new character, hop on YouTube, watch the five minute video, learn about them. And sometimes that makes me more excited to play that character. Exactly. And speaking of multiplayer, you've been also playing Dead by Daylight. Wait. Yep, yeah. Daylight. I'm like, Deadlight? No. <laughs> um, so yeah, that one, I, that, I'll talk about it this time, but that's kind of a consistent. That's every day I play at least a couple rounds for five years now or so since I got it. Um, that's It's definitely one of those just, it's an addictive game. It's got a steady loop. It seems kind of repetitive, but it's a loop that works. Fix the gen, open the gate, get out uh, if you're playing a survivor. But they, one thing I do have to give them credit for, there was kind of a lull um, where characters were kind of boring. The last year and a half or so, the new killers and survivors they've been adding have added a lot of changes. So it's definitely been fresh to jump in on chapters again. And that is the thing of like me looking, me being on the outside looking in, because I've not played Dead by Daylight, but I really want to. And it's available on PlayStation Plus, so mm-hmm. I could. But it's basically all the like killers, like the Stranger Things uh, tie-in they had at one point. Uh, did they do an Evil Dead? Um, so you have Ash from Evil Dead. Um, they didn't do any Deadites or anything. But the Stranger Things one, if you didn't get that already, you can't they lost the license with netflix which makes sense oh well but um what do they have currently from like other ips oh um you have michael myers and laurie strode you have a freddy krueger chapter you have a ghost face chapter you have ash from evil dead there's a saw chapter where you play the um killer for that one is amanda uh, okay. Houston saw one. Uh, what else? There's a Silent Hill chapter. If you've ever wanted to play as Pyramid Head or Cheryl, there's two Resident Evil chapters now. So Wesker and Nemesis are in there as killers. We have Jill, Leon, I believe Claire and I, Adewan maybe. I can't remember the two newest survivors. There's a Ring chapter. It's pretty much anything that's not Friday the 13th has found its way in. <laughs> Um, and again, knowing nothing about the game, is it already included in the game or is it paid DLC? So they're all paid DLC. It's, it's a slightly complicated structure, I'll say. So there's the base game, but then with each new chapter release, after about a couple weeks to a month, they release a version of the game that comes with all the DLC so far. Or you can buy the individual chapters and so that's just the licensed stuff. They also do original characters. But the original characters, you can either buy, you know, pay DLC, or those you can buy with credits you earn in-game. So the credits you earn in-game can be used for pay DLC or just the original stuff they have? So it's the original stuff that's also paid DLC. That's where it gets confusing. Because, like, they've released 15-plus... Um, killers and survivors who are original characters. They're not licensed from things like movies, other games. Those you can buy with the credits or real money. The licensed ones you can only buy with real money or an expanded version of the game. Gotcha. But hey, that's a cool reward for the game, even if it's original IP. 
Yeah, and some of those are some of the better killers, and they've definitely gotten creative because you get still backstories like uh, the trickster is a K-pop icon who murdered his band and has throwing knives and a baseball bat as his weapon. <laughs> Alex, I want to end the podcast right now just to download the game and play that. That sounds amazing. Yeah, and of course, and then a quick side note: if you get into that one in the original characters, Dead by Daylight does have a dating sim on Steam. Really? Where you are trying to romance the killers from the game at a secluded beach resort? Have you played it? Um, so I've not, but I've watched a few playthroughs, and it is just as ridiculous as it sounds. Congrats, Alex! You sold me on a game, even though it is free on PlayStation Plus. I could have got it any time, but you know, good job. I try. I'll wait for my royalty check from Behavior. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely, if you're a horror fan, would you recommend this? Absolutely, it's. Matches are nice, quick, if you want to jump into a couple each night. Or there's so much variety that you can definitely make an evening of just playing it. Because what other game, if you're focusing on Survivor, are you going to play for three hours and get attacked by Freddy Krueger, Pyramid Head, Nemesis, and then a large Russian woman who throws axes wearing a rabbit mask? Fair enough. But... That is all of the games that we've been playing this week. So let's move on to the news. And speaking of horror, again, big horror podcast today. We have finally Silent Hill news. I feel like we've been talking about on the podcast forever. Like, are we getting anything Silent Hill? And it's like a little tease. Nothing happens. A little tease. Nothing happens. And then boom, we get the transmission showcase. And Alex, you wrote the article for King Gamer. Yes. Um, I think the, the best way for me to put up as a long time, so Silent Hill, Resident Evil, two very influential games for me. Mm -hmm. uh, one whole thing I won't get into, but I'm my name's Alex. I was born in Pennsylvania with a coal breaker, like abandoned ones behind my house. Silent Hill Homecoming stole my life and just made it scarier. And then Resident Evil is the reason I became a biochemist. Like, very influential games on my life. So when it stole your life, did it make it better or just scarier? Scarier. A <laughs> lot scarier. I wouldn't say better in any way, but way too many like little things that line up. Right down to the jacket that Alex Shepard wears in the game. I have senior class photos wearing that jacket from 10 years before the game came out. Oh, um, you know, like the uh, like disclaimer they do at the end of credits, like anything in the game or movie or TV show is pure coincidental. Yeah, it's a lie, Alex. It's it's not I, real. I I believed that disclaimer until I finished that game, and I was like, this this is absolutely a lie, and somebody's been following me. I'm trying to think of a good movie comparison, but I can only think of that horrible uh, movie, The Number Twenty Seven. Number Twenty Three with Jim Carrey. Oh, 23. You see. What do you mean horrible? That's a great movie. Are you a defender? I'm a defender, and Ned the dog is one of the best dogs to ever appear on the screen. Whoa, but not one, not two, but three hot takes for your first podcast, Alex. Yep, I'm just, we the comments are going to hate me. <laughs> nah, we gotcha. But 
there's a lot to unpack about the Silent Hill Transmission Showcase. Let's talk about the big one, the Silent Hill 2 remake. And as you explain, you're a big Silent Hill fan. I have not played anything in that franchise, but again, outside looking in, I want to. And I feel like this remake is the perfect like jump in point. Yeah, so disclaimer when he says that I'm a big Silent Hill fan, I will admit I teared up during this transmission because it has been 10 years since we've gotten a game, eight years since PT. And in that eight years, we've gotten a lot of big tease, big countdown, and then it ends up being a pachinko machine or something or Silent Hill themed water from Konami that you can only get at gyms in Japan. So the Silent Hill 2 remake, what they focus kind of the bulk of the time on, um, I would assume that's going to be kind of the first thing to come out. Drum up more attention for it. Seems like the perfect place to jump in. Um, They're giving it, it looks like the Resident Evil 2 remake treatment. And one thing that they talked about and was kind of shown in the videos, uh, Bloober team is doing their best to keep it true to the original. So veterans and fans will still enjoy it, but modernizing it. Because I will also admit, the original Silent Hill games are hard to go back to. The fixed camera alone is enough that like it's nostalgic, but we don't need it anymore. <laughs> so, because I've been actually seeing like, granted the internet's going to internet, but a lot of like, I don't know, just some backlash around the Silent Hill 2 remake. And I'm like, really? Because it's well, not yeah, something new. You know what I mean? It's again that, like I mentioned, that very core, quote, hardcore fan base that you can only be a fan if you don't like the thing. It's a very confusing group to follow. But it even it showed some clips of some of the most iconic scenes that I would say in hard game history. We're still getting the unveil of Red Pyramid Thing or Pyramid Head. In the same way, but better graphics. It's They took what was already iconic and so far it looks like they cleaned it up they added a little bit more and they welcomed more people to the party and the one thing like i'm really excited not only because i'm like oh i get to play silent hill game it's like the promise of like oh we'll use like new technology and like innovation and all that Mm -hmm. because this doesn't look like definitely not a simple remastered yeah, and they even um, talked about it in the transmission where they've they've added to it. Um, one thing that gives me a little bit of kind of hope or you know um, trust in them with it, they acknowledged that the game is a masterpiece for the time, and even the things that scared or had an impact on players back in you know the early two thousands, we're kind of desensitized to them now. Things are different. It's been over twenty years. At now not even for when the game's coming out things have to be changed a little bit to still have that impact factor and i liked how they specified impact because it's not just scares there's a lot more to the psychological horror of silent hill like you're not supposed to like james sunderland so hopefully they kind of keep that going through as well is he more and I don't want to say anti-hero. Is it more of like you hate to love him or love to hate him? It's more of a, for at least in my experience, it was one of the first sort of uh, gaming experiences. And mind you, I was way too young when I played these games because I was playing <laughs> when they were first coming out and I was like 11, 12 years old. 
but it was an interesting take of, at least in my opinion, you're playing the game from a non-hero perspective. When it comes to, oh, okay. you know, monsters versus James, there really isn't a hero. They're both just sort of there and you're seeing it play out. It's more of like, James isn't good, but the monsters are just even worse. So it's like, eh, lesser two evils. I wouldn't even say lesser of two evils because monsters, at least within the confines of Silent Hill 2, because it's James is like the main human there. Mm -hmm. Monsters attacking humans, bad. What James has done in his life, also bad, but just through a different frame because it's not within Silent Hill. It's within you know, the more quote unquote real world. Can you give me a non-spoiler description of what he's done? Or you just, I, I don't know if it's like a big plot point or you're something like, you know, like ahead of time. Um, so it, it's kind of a plot point, but what I'll say, I'll, I'll kind of do it not as cryptic as Silent Hill does, but <laughs> so Red Pyramid or Pyramid Head or Red Pyramid Thing is introduced in this game. Pyramid Head, you can watch some breakdowns, you can just watch videos and sort of pick apart, like carries a giant knife, the way that he's introduced, things that he's doing. The monsters in Silent Hill are created from the psyche of the people there. So Red Pyramid oh. Head is an embodiment of James Sunderland's darker aspects. I gotcha. Well, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, Silent Hill is definitely a, a crazy one. Like, I still remember the um, Vita game, which wasn't great, don't get me wrong, but Book of Memories, I believe. As you played the game, the way that your character responded to things, changed how the monsters look to fit for like uh, phobia types so it changed the game to fit what scared you most whoa yeah these these games get a little trippy Whew, damn so yeah we are definitely excited for that silent hill 2 remake especially like even for what they have for like the playstation 5 I'm always a sucker for like 3D audio and the haptic feedback and the dual sense. I don't know what consoles you have, Alex, but so I'm on a PlayStation Five is my primary now, and that was Ooh. one thing that excited me most about the system um, was the haptic feedback. I wanted that little bit. I I was more excited for that than I was for graphical enhancements. Pretty thing looks pretty. I'm fine, but feeling you know they always use the example of you know a bow feeling that tension or feeling the controller kind of shake if you drive over gravel was more exciting to me than things looking prettier running faster. A hundred percent agree. Cause when they do haptic feedback and that uh, resistance, well, with the dual sense, mm -hmm. oof, it's great. Yeah. Uh, and random before we go on uh, more with the transmission, have you played uh death stranding? Yes. Um, I, again, let's do fourth hot, fourth hot take. My favorite video game of all time. Alex, my gosh. I feel like if I'm uh, speaking of memes. Like I'm the dog who's sitting in the kitchen with flames around him. Like this is fine. Yeah. I, the, but the flames are all your hot takes. I love it. Love everything about that game. All right. I definitely have to go back into that. Uh, long story short. Um, I downloaded because it, it was on PlayStation Plus. It's still on there. Um, it's one of those things like 
they lay a lot on you. And it is pretty cool. But fortunately, I had to delete it for other games. I didn't get too far, so it's like, eh, okay. So love the gameplay loop. If you were enjoying the story um, and don't have the room on your console, they did take the story and turn it into two books that you can read. Um, so it saves you a little space. And even as someone who's played the game multiple times, books are still greatly enjoyable if you want to know just what the hell is going on in that world. And I love the atmosphere of the world and just like roaming around. Like I know people like, Ooh, it's a walking sim, but yet again, I like a walking sim. One thing in this, I've had, I've talked to friends privately who you know, hated on the game because, Oh, all you're doing is you're just walking. You're trying to save someone and you're avoiding enemies. That's what that's Super Mario was. <laughs> that's, you I would only guy. say just two very different styles of music. That's true, but the soundtrack is amazing. It is. Like I actually like downloaded a couple of songs from like, like oh, this is like I don't know if you know this band like of Monsters and Men. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of like style. I'm like, all right, I can take this. How weird the mix is, but how well it works. I've I have no problem. I have it on vinyl record. And I just listen to it when I'm working on writing constantly. Alex, I love this. <laughs> I, I can't wait to hear your hot takes about uh, horror. Those, they, they might get a little, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a hot take counter in the corner here. See how far I can get. Jessica Orr is also the uh, editor of the podcast. So, Jessica, add a hot take counter <laughs> right here. Let's see if we can get that little slash to five. But I'm sure. Going up. <laughs> oh, we will. And I, we're here for it. Mm-hmm. We don't like to play it safe, except for my list. I'm, I'm going to play it safe. But uh, going on with the other Silent Hill stuff, um, it seems pretty cool. Like, it's more of like, good appetizers for the main course of the Silent Hill 2 remake. And again, as someone who doesn't know like nothing about the world, definitely interested. So I'm going to say reverse on that. Silent Hill 2 remake is what they focus on most. I think that's the appetizer to remind everyone, remind fans that this still exists and they are, you know, going to double down on it and get new people in. And I think either Silent Hill F or Silent Hill Townfall are what they're aiming for the main course. Oh. Because. I'm always going to say new game over remake personally. I think two is just a way to get everyone back into it. And that's why I view it as more as a main course. But I can see how that analogy is like, hey. Like Silent Hill 2 is like the mozzarella sticks. You enjoy them. That's not the main course. It's going to set you in. Yeah, that's going to get you there. I think I, I, I think that using the course is the best example. The transmission followed a meal. Silent Hill 2 uh, remake, the appetizer to get you started. Uh, Townfall is like that super salad to kind of hold you over. Ascension is like that little bit, that kind of like the bread that you pick on between there. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. It's not 
nothing to write home about. Silent Hill F is the big one. What excites you most about Silent Hill F? So I'm excited to see because uh, looking at it, it looks like it's outside of you know traditional American or at least a Western um, city. Um, looks more traditional Japanese. The art style that they're using for not art style the um, sort of atmosphere that they're using this like the flower the blossoming the blooming. Midsummer is one of my favorite movies. So this is like Midsummer is meeting Elden Ring in a visual way almost. Um, it's playing with different phobias already. Um, I cannot remember the name off the top of my head, but there's that phobia of small holes, which is apparently one of the most common. It's already hitting that phobia and it's having these plants grow out of it. But when you look into like what type of flower that is, it's a flower that's actually used for poisoning and hallucination in real life. And it's, it's everything about Silent Hill just getting crammed into one with a beautiful flower and fungus crown. Ah. But so I've already, I already made a T-shirt for that one. Like really, the trailer, like the transmission ended, and I immediately grabbed the sheets, printed out, and made a T-shirt of that closing uh, image of the woman's face with everything around it and Silent Hill F underneath it. Next time you're on the podcast, please wear that shirt. I will definitely bring that shirt on. Yes, but I think overall, as a Silent Hill fan. Um, out of 10 flower head, fungi head, what would you give it? So again, super early, haven't seen gameplay as far as a trailer goes, um, for building hype, building excitement, getting me interested. I would say that it's a solid nine to 9.5 trailer. If it would have showed a couple monsters and showed something new, might've pushed it to a nine, eight, but definitely in that, like great category awesome i i I give it a 8.5 out of 10 as someone who's not familiar with the world now i'm like all right like as i've always wanted to get into the franchise but as you said like are they masterpieces yes but are they dated in some aspects in terms of gameplay and what people are afraid of yes Mm -hmm. so now it's like hey Mark, this is where you dive in. Enjoy. But like wait a couple years, okay? Can you can you do that? I'm like, you got it. Yeah, definitely this looks like a great jumping in point. And just a decade of waiting is finally paying off. <laughs> Was it worth it, Alex? Well, I'm never gonna say it's worth it because like if I could have had more Silent Hill over the last <laughs> 10 years, but fair it, enough. I'll give it, I'll say payoff is the most I'll go for it. All right, so that has been the news of the week. So let's move on to the main topic. And to top off our horror podcast, it's very broad category. And I'm like, what can we do about horror? We can do favorite horror movies, but that's just way too broad. And granted, our main topic is broad, but I feel like that's a fun discussion. Mm. Because horror movie characters are some of my favorite characters of all time. And I feel like ever since, like, the Donna Cinema, like, Nosferatu or Frankenstein's Monsters, like, they're just ingrained in pop culture. They and just, been, and, like, as early as writing, it's just one of it's, the big genres. Exactly. 
And we could just geek out about all things horror, and we will. But let's talk about our favorite horror movie characters of all time. We will share our top three, mention some honorable mentions. Let's have a good time. So, Jessica, keep in mind, we got that hot take counter. Let's see if we can get her to a five. Alex, what is your number three? Okay, so it might be a little weird to put at three. So when I first heard horror characters, I immediately started thinking of the villains. I was like, no, mm -hmm. the survivors are also a part of it. Mm -hmm. So Dwayne Jones from Night of the Living Dead, 1968, has to be in the top three. He's a great survivor. Um, keeps his head on straight for most of it, but of course the survivors have to make some mistakes here and there. But it's also culturally important. First non-white guy hero, especially for horror. And you have to remember that this happened over a month before the first interracial kiss even occurred. So we have a black guy leading the charge, being the hero in one of the most iconic horror movies ever made. So he's- I love it. Um, I think, uh, because A, uh, Night of the Living Dead uh, came out in the 60s and our picks, Alex, you can spoil the movies. Okay. Unless, unless you're talking about, I don't know, like Michael Myers and you're going to talk about Halloween ends, you know? So I will only spoil if the movie is at least three years old. Very fair. So, um, the Edney, very tragic. Very tragic, but again, indicative of its time. Um, I think oh, Night yeah. of Living it's one of the most important examples of how horror at least used to be not as much lately was one of the best conduits for social commentary um doesn't get respected as much as it should for that but horror movies have a lot to say about things going on in the world that are generally overlooked by audiences now do you mean respected in terms of uh, horror and social commentary or specifically with the night of the living dead just in general, like even broader than horror and social commentary, it's one genre that it, it's almost kind of pushed to the back burner. It has its own fan base, but you know, you have best drama, you have best comedy slash musical, you have best animation. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there's an Oscar for scariest movie moment or like not it, yet, but it's funny because history, historically time after time, six or more of the highest grossing movies every year, like uh, highest return are horror. It's one of the biggest genres. It has m more than most things to say about the world, even more so than most, you know, dramas, but it's not respected by the general population as much as it should be. And I will say, I mean, of course, Night of the Living Dead is not only a classic zombie movie, it made the zombie movie. Granted, there's other examples before that, um, but like the modern iteration of zombies. And I feel like that is what the movies respected, but I feel like people don't remember the social commentary, specifically the ending. And just like, he's alive, boom, and guess what? He, the town kills him. Because how, how can you trust him, right? It's not like he just saved everyone and did everything, right? Yeah. Exactly. And it just like, one of those endings that just sticks with you because I watched Which, like years ago and I was like, Oh, that's a gut punch. It's bleak, but important. 
Yeah. And it's not like bleak for being the sake of bleak. Yeah, it's not like martyrs or anything. Or even though I loved it, uh, The Mist. Yes. Is it super bleak and dark? Yes. But I'm like, oof, you remembered. Yeah. And again, I'm a fan of like an emotional gut punch strictly for the emotion. But when you can have an emotional gut punch with a meaning, it's that much better. I love the pick. Um, For my number three, technically, this is a classic horror movie villain. But it's more people know of like the face, but not person behind it. Well, I'm, I'm the main what I mean, like the main general audience, not like horror fans, because mm-hmm. I got to mention Stu from Scream. Yes, another great pick. Matthew Lillard. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Oh, my God. He is so good. And it's really hard to describe because it's like the characters written like, oh, he's just like the goofy guy. But plot twist, he's one of the killers. Um, And it's like, OK, but his performance just sticks with you. And Matthew Lillard is one of the nicest like celebrities I've ever met. He, I have not had the pleasure of meeting him, but he just seems like the nicest guy. Yeah, he is insanely nice and he brings that over to his characters. Um, is one thing that I love about his character, even if it's Stu. So nice, so lovable, so funny. And then can have the twist at the end. And even with that twist, he's so funny. And I'm not going to say kind, but like the modern context of how um, like the fan theories, because it's not official, of like how Stu has a crush on uh billy mm-hmm. and just like watching that in that context makes the like the twist even more fun because he just did it just to like because he's you know loves billy uh, and his delivery of i'm getting a little woozy here is one yeah. of the best lines in modern slashers Oh, my mom's going to kill me. And like the other ghost face uh, reveals are good. Some are bad, but none will be iconic as the uh, first one. No, it's and just like. Like, honestly, it's just even with the twist, like you go back and watch it. It's not like, oh, I'm distrusting. It's like you love Stu. Yeah, it's he's just general, genuinely such a charismatic and lovable character that you kind of don't even want to believe he's bad at the end. Like he's admitting it, and you're still like, well, maybe I can still be friends with him from afar. <laughs> like, and it's more of like he's bad, but he's not the main bad. You just start trying to justify in your head as soon as you hit like see that twist. It's like I'm doing one of the internet things of like I can make him good. I can fix him. I can fix him. And just like, besides Hayden uh, Panettiere, I butchered that last name. Sorry, Hayden. I know you listen to the podcast. Um, Everyone wants her character back, and she is coming back for the next screen movie. And everyone, like the number one on the list is Stu. 
Yes. Because he's not dead. Um, yeah, everyone wants either. Obviously, they want Sydney to come back, but sadly, we've we've lost Sydney. Oh, because of uh, behind the scenes pay yeah, stuff. Let's not spoil her about that. Yeah, no, no, spo- yeah. not spoiling anything. Sydney's not dead. No, it, it's just an either sadder ending. Mm-hmm. But if they bring back Stu for because they were going to bring him back for screen three but i think they just scrapped that and rewrote the whole movie because of columbine shootings mm-hmm. which i get but now you got an opportunity yeah so so i'm gonna start the petition hashtag bring back stew oh if we we've got a uh, hayden parentier coming back we can get we can get stew all right, Alex, what is your number two? All right, so my number two, I'm now going to switch to focusing on the killers and stuff. It's got to be Pinhead. It's got to be Hellraiser. It's such an iconic look. It blurs that, that, that whole franchise led by him, blurs that line between slasher and occult paranormal horror, brings something new to the table that it's not just killing the camp counselors or hunting down this girl it's there's there's a reason behind it and it's not a morality thing it's like a curiosity killed the cat thing and again just the iconic look what can you say about pinhead like just if you had no knowledge of the hellraiser franchise do nothing about pinhead and it's like this is the main uh villain or at least like this is the face of like I don't want to say he's the main villain, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, because it's it's again, this is where it's fun to talk about these movies. Is he a villain? Because you as an individual are solving the box. You as an individual are summoning them. You are given an idea of what you're getting into and you're choosing it. At least for the first two. I will specify the first two. Yeah, and then it becomes a little like a slasher movie. Yeah. But those those first two, like you're summoning it or somebody is forcing you to do the puzzle. You don't know what's going on. So is he a villain? Cause he's just doing what you asked him to do. Yeah. He's Hey, is he a villain for doing his job? Well, you can be a villain for doing your job. Oh, uh, <laughs> about to clarify. Yes, you can be, but it's like, Hey, uh, hell jobs are hell jobs. Yeah. You as a human said, I need new experiences. I want new experiences. This box will give me all these crazy, quote unquote, demonic experiences. So I'm going to request them. You just, you got what you ordered. And it's more of like, um, like the, whatever sound effect from like the old cartoons are like, womp, 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 womp. It's like, you wanted all the pleasures? Here you go. It is a very loose definition of pleasures, but hey, here you go. He's the ultimate version of like the the monkey's paw or oh the genie. There's always that twist to it. You asked for new pleasures and experiences. Well, you got them. Not how you want it, but you got them. And just the look is so Clive Barker-esque. Yeah. Like, I'm just... I'm going to date myself a little bit, but it's like going to a video store. I guess now if you're scrolling through, you know, Netflix or streaming service guy in hockey mask, 
love Jason, but okay. Freddy Krueger, guys burned up. Michael Myers, guy wearing William Shatner mask, painted white, or Pinhead. Which one is going to draw your attention more? It's going to be Pinhead. Because the first thing I asked, like, probably one of the earlier thoughts when I saw Pinhead is like, what's with all the pins? Because at least you can draw from like, okay, Freddy Krueger, burn all uh, everywhere. Guess what probably happened to him? Fire. But it's like, who who is Pinhead? Did somebody put these pins here? Did he put these pins here? Was he born with them? Was Maybe was this like a punishment? Does he like the pins in here? Um, what's 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 in the box? He's just such a fun character. And um, have you watched the remake? Um, so I'll, re- I'll call it a reboot. It's, reboot. It's like weird nebulous sort of entries um and yes and i loved it awesome that makes sense because they're not remaking the first story correct it is a completely different thing and it's something i haven't like done the deep dive on Mm -hmm. because i believe someone can correct me if i'm wrong it's hellraiser judgment they have a different actor playing pinhead but they're making a new pinhead so there can be multiple pinheads, like that specific Cenobite. Okay. So I'm not clear if this female version in the new one is a new Cenobite and Doug Bradley's and everyone else still exists, or has that been wiped away and this is the only thing that exists now? Listen, if Doug Bradley wants to return and with the success of uh, this new movie, they can make it happen. If Doug Bradley wants to duct tape thumbtacks to himself for a cheap cosplay and live stream drinking tea for two hours, I'm still going to turn in and watch it because Doug Bradley. I will just turn it to watch it, but I will be very concerned because that feels very unsafe. Fair. It's like, so they're like fake tags, right? And he's like, no. That's I'm it. Invested. Yep. All right. Again, loving the picks. I think for my number two, I did want a final girl, or at least the final person. But I mean, I was thinking about Laurie Strode, who, I mean, what can you say about her? Even with bad Halloween movies that she's in, she's still amazing. Mm -hmm. So all the credit to Jamie Lee Curtis. But there's one that always sticks out to me, and I'm going to go with Wendy Torrance from The Shining. Okay. And I like on the surface, you might be like, oh, there's nothing uh, special about her. But I feel like what she had to endure, both the uh, character and unfortunately what Shelley Lawn yes. Duval. Jared, the real pick of Shelley Duvall is the best horror character for what she survived Stanley Kubrick doing. Yeah, like, oh, like, it's not like, hey, she gave a great performance, so it was worth it. No, 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 no. But, but at least, at least she gave, like, I know the iconic performances are Jack, but I feel like she gave 
I'm not going to say more memorable, but I feel like she gave a better performance than Jack. She gave a better performance and she embodied that role perfectly. Because as everything's going on in the hotel, there are scenes that you might watch and you're like, oh, she overacted. Like, oh, it's a little too much. But it fits the setting. It fits the setting and what she's had it dealt with. And it's like The Shining is, and I mean in a great way, a slow burn until you get to the last third and everything just goes downhill. And just like everything that's been building up for Wendy, you know, trying to save the marriage, um, knowing that Jack has problems, but still uh, being with him. And just like her terror, like, and the resistance that she has and, you know, trying to care for Danny, like, Mm -hmm. always sticks with me. And I feel Um, like that is a great final person. So I do have to ask, have you seen Dr. Sleep? I did. I really like it. Um, here's, Here's the fifth hot take. Dr. Sleep is better than The Shining. and i will stand by that now internet let's put the pitchforks down let's just clarify this do you like the shining so i love the shining love dr sleep a little bit better okay i think the most like i think the hot take is like the shining is garbage so I wouldn't say it's it's not garbage. I still like I love The Shining. Um, I feel like that's a more hot take. They. No, I'm not saying that's your hot take. That's yeah, not at all. I'm not saying it's garbage. Um, some of the things, some of Stanley Kubrick's choices from the book, um, little odd, a little different. There's a reason that Stephen King infamously hates that movie. <laughs> so you have to separate them as two different things. Hence why Doctor Sleep, uh, Mike Flanagan stuck to the book and they reshot certain flashback scenes rather than using the Stanley Kubrick's because the books are sequels. The movies are not connected. Stephen King hates the shining movie and won't do anything with it. And I mean, with the doctor sleep, I feel like that is such an impossible task of like living up to the uh, shining, but I feel like, and we talked about it last week on the podcast, all things, uh, Mike Flanagan, Mike Flanagan does not miss for me. Okay. You could, of course, you could have, I don't know, opinions and hot takes, uh, but did you at least like Midnight Mass? I'll say that I like Mike Flanagan's movies. Uh-oh. I was not expecting to get a sixth hot take this quickly. Oh. Alex, what do you have to share? I just, his shows, I, I, I appreciate a slow burn. I enjoy a slow burn. My problem with his shows is that, and I, I've had this argument with people, like a lot of people, nothing relevant happens for nine tenths of it. And it's not even character development. The character starts out as a recovering alcoholic. And guess what? After 10 hours of the show, they're still having the same struggles. Nothing has changed. You yeah, it's a- Stephen King. You, no, Stephen King, you get a lot of character growth and change using The Shining and Dr. Sleep as a perfect example. 
Shining is about Stephen King's alcoholism. Dr. Sleep is about his sobriety. The Mike Flanagan shows just, they don't go anywhere. They're amazing scenes. They're amazing. Like the acting is phenomenal, but it's like a Kevin Smith movie. It's two people sitting there talking, but the conversation has a point. Mike Flanagan, you get these amazing uh, dialogue and monologue don't mean anything to the story and nothing changes because of them. That might be the most hot take that you had this episode. Like, I see I'm, I'm not making these up for a hot take counter. I just, no, I didn't go like, I didn't pitch this podcast with you be like, Hey Alex, I need all the hot takes. I need all the heat on you. But I just ended up making it happen. Apparently. Hey, as long as your hot takes make sense, like use an example as like the shiny, like I hot take the shininess garbage. And it's like, why do you think it's garbage? Cause the movie sucks. It's like, okay, why the movie su sucks? Cause it does. It's like, okay, that's not, you got to explain your hot takes. And yeah. do I agree with that hot take? No, but I can understand where you're coming from and respect it. Yeah. And I can see where people like Mike Flanagan shows. Absolutely. They just don't work for me. I'm not saying like boycott them and no one should watch them. No. Like, yeah. If you like them, great. I won't. Yeah. Not everything is made for everyone. His shows aren't made for me. But you know, Alex, we got a little too negative. And I feel like we should go in the positive. And I feel like the perfect remedy is your number one best horror movie character. No pressure. A little pressure. Amanda from the Saw franchise. Love it. Love Amanda. Tell me why. Saw one. She's even though she's not the main character, she is the final girl. She is the female that survives in the end. Saw two. She becomes the red herring. She becomes, you know, the guiding factor. Saw three. She takes up the mantle as Jigsaw and becomes the villain. So you're getting the three main horror archetypes all in one character. I, I'm, I'm speechless in a in the best way possible because I love that description. With the first Saw movie, I feel like she, yes, is the final girl, but I feel like even though she's in it for a couple of scenes, she has the most iconic scene, not just in the first movie, but just all of the Saw franchise. The reverse bear trap is the most iconic trap. That and the scene, you get Billy on the tricycle. Yeah, no, like definitely more iconic scenes in it, but as far as the saw traps, the oh, yeah, trap is the main one. The most iconic trap, and then what people think of is just like her strapped in the chair trying to get out. Yes, I love that, and I feel like. Some people say like that twist, not even twist, or like the character development of like two to three of like, man, she went too extreme. I mean, the whole movie is about going too extreme or the whole franchise, but it fits. She survived the trap. You know, she, she survived. She live or die. She made her choice. She found a new purpose in life. And because it worked for her, she then wanted to share it with other people. It's the most sick version of there's uh, what's the phrase? Um, uh, there's no disciple like a convert. Somebody who's converted 
people preach whatever they were converted to more than somebody who was just born into it. Think of it like sports teams. Someone who grew up in a household of Philadelphia Eagles fans, they're going to wave the flags, they're going to enjoy it. Somebody who became one later in life, more likely to be that fanatic who has to shove it down your throat. Um, I'm a Giants fan, so I just really hate that analogy. Someone who's, all right, Jessica, edit that part out. Someone who's raised in the It's funny, Alex. Uh, when you mentioned you're from Pennsylvania, um, great friend of the podcast who just left uh, King Gamer, uh, check out the Black Rose, his YouTube channel, Noah Rosenfall. He's a big Eagles fan, and we would always get into the podcast. So, Jessica, it's like Noah never left. But I will add, I'm not a huge NFL fan. I'm more of a Premier League British football soccer fan. Uh, you, you see, Jessica, you have someone to talk football with. <laughs> um, but yeah, but so, anyway, uh, back to the uh, Amanda. Yeah, she's just three movies, three archetypes, fills them perfectly. Best horror movie character. Um, now I'm just going back to the Eagles. I'm like, Amanda from Saw is the Jalen Hurts. <laughs> of this horror movie so um with amanda would you so spoilers for saw three she dies um would you have want her to survive the third one and her to become like the main antagonist or at least a major character or are you satisfied with her dying at three so there's two different questions would I want her to survive? Yes, because we got, what, 10 of those movies and they still have more of them coming out. And I think that she could have kept doing important things. Like, it would have been fun to see her keep changing. But I think her end in Saw 3 was a satisfying end. So she changed, she fixed, but she didn't quite reach that end goal. She didn't quite hit the pinnacle. And it's more of like, she learned the lesson and then it's like, oh, wait, actually, no, you took all the wrong things from the lesson. Yeah. But as a whole, do you like the Saw franchise? I stand by it. I love the Saw movies, even though like they do start to taper off at the end. They're still fun. I don't rewatch the latter ones as much as the early ones, but I still enjoy them for what they are. That now I'm thinking that's actually a great horror movie podcast that we will just Jessica make a note in the future. Uh, best horror movie franchises, a lot more of anything, but I will go to my number one favorite horror movie character. Give you a hint, he has a chainsaw. Alex, I think you know who it is. Part of me just wants to say something completely wrong now, just to ruin this moment. But so, so you're going Leatherface? Nope. Ash from the Evil Dead franchise. Okay, I was I was thinking you were going Leatherface, and we were going to that. Talk that so I know. That's why I said it. Okay, nice pick. So I remember seeing. I was at my aunt's house and my um, cousin, he had a VAH copy of Army of Darkness. 
And all of a sudden, I'm just seeing this guy with chainsaw and a shotgun, all these monsters surrounding him, iconic movie poster. And I'm like, who is this guy? And then and that oh, the image always stuck with him. I didn't watch it at that point. But years later, I watched the Evil Dead franchise. So I've heard so much good things about it. And of course, the first one is a classic. I think it still holds up with you have to be reminded of like this was such an independent movie. And it's kind of one of like the godfathers of independent cult classics. Exactly. And it's like if you're trying to hype up Ash. Like the first Evil Dead, not so much because it's not like that classic Bruce Campbell take. Mm -hmm. Evil Dead Two, on the other hand, oh, that's that's all the Bruce Campbell goodness. That's when he becomes Bruce Campbell. And I will say, what I thought, I'm like this is the most badass hero of all time, and Ash is a badass, but he's also the biggest coward. Mm-hmm. in horror movie franchise and that's why i love him yeah that's definitely a solid pick uh one of my best friends um huge bruce campbell fan is going to be excited to hear that 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 is the option that he went with i love i mean bruce campbell it's so amazing i i love the whole evil dead franchise uh even the remake great one uh very underrated remake again is it a remake no uh, i mean no but well i will say did they want to remake evil dead yes but now i feel like they turned it into a reboot kind of like the hellraiser with like the rush like post credit of like get to see ash at the end mm-hmm. do i mean so it was like, I feel like in my heart, it was supposed to be a remake, but they're like, eh, never mind. Fair enough. But um, Ash versus Evil Dead, loved it. Wish it got more loved. I mean, we got great three seasons of that. And I love like Ash brings all the deadites back because it brings over a girl they get high and he's showing off the uh necronomicon and he just thinks it's like poetry yeah and he's reminding and he's like fuck it is it's goofy and scary at the same time it is goofy scary it's strange it's like it is like a looney tunes character brought to life Yes, it is like is. somehow he is Bugs Bunny and also Daffy Duck. With a little bit of Elmer Fudd there for the shotgun. Yes. Or his boomstick. <laughs> and yeah, like Eve, uh, Army Darkness, like, I feel like it's more action comedy mm-hmm. with a little bit of horror. Because, of course, that gore slapstick, the gore stick. In Evil Dead 2, they're like, mm, let's let's really tone it down. I could see that. So, but it, it's still enjoyable and it still has the most like Ash moments. He just Ash got to be Ash. <laughs> and just like he, he's the ultimate hero, 
but also the most like ultimate doofus, the coward. Mm-hmm. But it's not like he's let's storm uh let's storm the cabin and kill all the deadites. Like he rather run away until he's like, oh, fine. Yeah. And then boom, he becomes a badass. All the one-liners, iconic moments. I the deranged laugh, groovy. Come on. That's a very, very solid pick. And if you like any, uh, if you like Ash, watch Bruce Campbell's like other projects because it's basically how I relate to like Stu from Scream is more because of Matthew Lowered. I feel like is Ash written well? Yes, but Bruce Campbell is Ash. Well written character, but no other person could have made it that character. I feel like other people could, but I feel like other people would not have been as more like iconic. Yeah. So Ash, that's my favorite. I so what were your honorable mentions? Um so I have to hop off here in a minute and thirty seconds. So one um big honorable mention, the only reason they didn't make it on the list, Danny from Midsummer. She's a okay. character. I love that. Tied for favorite movie of all time. But my problem is I don't consider Midsummer a horror movie. Midsummer is a relationship drama with a couple scary scenes. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I mean, um, speaking of, I'm just going to go down quickly. Uh, of course, Jason. Freddy Krueger, come on. Uh, I don't remember her character's name, which would have been bad for my list, but uh, Tony Collette from Hereditary, now that you say Midsummer, mm-hmm. I just feel like, oh my God, what a performance. Should have been nominated for an Oscar, all that. But that is the King Gamer Podcast. Alex, where can people find you? Any products that you, uh, any projects that you have in the works? Um, so I'm working on a couple of articles for King Gamer. I'm taking some of the some elements from horror games and comparing them to real life things. Um, other than that, you can find me on most social medias at AE Mosier, A-E-M-O-S-I-E-R. Love it. You can find me on Twitter at Lomarco512. Got some couple of articles in the works, maybe some on Gotham Knights, God of War Ragnarok. You'll love it. Please check out KingGamer.com for all the news, guides, reviews, and opinion pieces. We've got some great works, including from Alex. Also, please go on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Rate us five stars so we'll get a little bump in the charts so more lovely people like yourself can take a lesson. This has been the King Gamer Podcast, and we hope you have a nice day.